Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. The world of contractors and home improvement can get ugly. And I know that because I've been practicing consumer law for 32 years and I get a lot of phone calls from people who say, I hired someone to work on my house or my garage and they, they screwed everything up and now they're gone. That's a common one. But I've also now seen a variation on this one more than once. And this one happened in Canada, but it could easily have happened here in America. Absolute nightmare. Contractor moved into client's house and pawned their stuff. Pawned their stuff. So this is from Sudbury.com. Linda Richardson wrote it. It happened in Sault Ste. Marie on the Canadian side. Sault Ste. Marie is also a town in Michigan. And it's right at the Sioux Locks. The locks that allow ships to get into and out of Lake Superior. Uh, then into the St. Mary's River, or vice versa. So the man's interactions with a local couple turned into an absolute nightmare for them. A judge said, and he's talking about the contractor, uh, as Sue today previously reported, the couple hired the man from Calgary, who'd recently relocated to Sioux St. Marie. And he did that to renovate a home that they owned on 3rd Avenue two years ago. They said he didn't do the work, but he moved into the residence didn't pay the rent he said he'd pay, and then pawned some of their stuff. So I've heard this before where someone says, I need this place remodeled. Can you do it? And the guy says, yeah, I can do it, but I need a place to stay. Can I, can I live there? It'll make it easier for all of us. So the man pleaded guilty to defrauding the victims out of $4,200 uh, and also two counts of possession of stolen property. He admitted he later sold three base amplifiers to a second-hand shop in town. Uh, and then in February of last year, he visited a pawn shop where he brought in four guitars. And the guitars were not his. They belonged to the homeowners. So the Crown and Defense jointly recommended the man get 18 months of a conditional sentence, which he'll serve in the community, and two years of probation. The lawyers agreed that he should pay restitution to the victims. Should pay restitution to the victims. He has a brief criminal record that includes a conviction back in 2011 for fraud, over $5,000. That's according to the prosecutor. Uh, And then the accused is acknowledging three different criminal acts, which would have required three trials. And this is a mitigating factor. Now, I'm not quite sure about the procedure in Canada, why they'd need to have three separate trials, because there's three different criminal acts. As you might know, in America, you get put on trial and you're on a crime spree, uh, the entire crime spree can be done in one trial if it all happened in the same place, okay? And here, the guy was in the house, taking things from the house, taking money from the people. Since he was there, you'd think, but again, I don't understand Canadian procedure. Uh, crimes involved breach of trust issues, which is aggravating, he told the uh, Ontario Court Justice. And that, of course, is the um, uh, lawyers talking to the judge and aggravating, for those who don't know, and I mentioned the word aggravating not so long ago, and somebody goes, what does that mean in that context? And it simply means something that makes it worse. So, you know, you'll often hear stories about people who commit a crime, and then you hear, well, there's something about it that made it, made it worse, right? And so if you, if you uh, embezzled money from a, a company, well, that'd be, that'd be illegal, right? Uh, if you embezzled money from somebody who was a vulnerable person, uh, they might make it worse as far as the punishment goes, even if the underlying crime was the exact same. Uh, And so here, it's a breach of trust. 
And so they've decided that the fact that he was let into these people's home, not the one they live in, but the one they own, and they were basically helping him out on some level, uh, that that was going to make this worse for him. The victims let him into their house. He was hired and paid to do renovations, and that did not happen, according to the prosecutor or the Crown attorney. Some of their prized possessions were sold without their permission. Uh, They had been unsuccessful in getting all of the instruments back, which is significant to a musician. And by the way, I have musicians in the audience, and uh, if you've got a guitar, okay, and some stranger got his hands on it and pawned it and it's gone now, uh, this guy's lucky that worse things didn't happen to him. Meanwhile, his lawyer said his client did complete some drywall work. So he did some work, some drywall. Three of the four guitars were recovered, as well as the three amplifiers. The question is, were they recovered by the true owner going in and buying them back or buying them from the pawn shop for more than they were dropped off for? The man, meanwhile, is actually a certified plumber and was working in construction, was laid off back during the pandemic. So he has some licensure, but we're not sure what, because they said he's doing drywall, but he's a certified plumber. He now resides in Bruce Mines, says he has health issues, and uh, is apparently receiving some sort of government assistance. The court has to consider his ability to pay restitution, defense said, suggesting he could make monthly payments. Uh, When she imposed the sentence, the court referred to the couple's victim impact statement. It's clear this was an absolute nightmare for them. And the impact was profound and financial. To make things worse, a person was living on their property and not paying rent. This calls for a lengthy sentence of 18 months, followed by two years probation, the court said. First portion will be nine months of house arrest. He'll only be able to leave the property for medical emergencies and appointments to drive his young child to and from school or while in the company of the child. He's allowed to be away from home between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. on Fridays, to obtain the necessities of life. So if he needs to run to the store or the pharmacy, he's got to do it on Fridays. During the final nine months, he'll have a curfew between 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. And the judge said, this is a jail sentence. and You are not to possess or consume alcohol, drugs, or other intoxicating substances. He can have no contact with the victims and must remain 50 meters away from them at all times. He must also pay $100 a month restitution during a sentence, and he owes him a total of $4,200. So at the request of the Crown, charges against a co-accused were withdrawn. So apparently there may have been a woman involved in some way in helping this man uh, probably dispose of the stuff that wasn't his. But it's a scary story, and I can't tell you how many people, especially in the old days, because Michigan's Consumer Protection Act used to allow you to sue contractors and so on and get your attorney fees paid by them if you won. And I sued a bunch of them, found out very quickly why they uh, operate the way they do. Most of them are uncollectible. They did nothing. They had nothing. And I had some very, very dramatic stories, and, and I've probably told this one before, but not lately. I had a client who hired someone to replace the windows in his home in the fall. And they came out, the guy doing the job came out the week of Thanksgiving, tore all the windows out of my client's house and left and never came back. Never came back. So after a couple of days of no windows in the house in November in Michigan, my client had to call up somebody else who said, well, that's an emergency job. That's going to cost you. And, uh, you know, we can't. And he heard a bunch of times, we can't do that right away. But he finally found somebody who said, yeah, I can do it right away. It's going to cost you. And it cost my client a fortune to basically clean up somebody else's mess. 
and lawsuit, trial, huge verdict, uncollectible. It happens. But also, the number of times I've talked to people who said, you know, I, I, I've dealt with a contractor, or I know somebody who's dealing with a contractor, and the stories I hear are just crazy. And unfortunately, and by the way, if you're a contractor, I'm not saying they're all bad. Okay, they're not. It's just, it's just that the bad ones do such dramatic things like tear the windows out of your house the week of Thanksgiving. Um, the stories are so dramatic that people hear about them. But I've heard a lot of stories of the exact same sort. And it's where a contractor says, I will do the following work for you if you pay me. I say, okay. They go, I need some money to get started because I'm going to do drywall, for instance. i got to buy the drywall. Right? Okay. So you front some money to the guy, ostensibly, to buy stuff for this job. What you don't know is that he's got a previous job he's still wrapping up that he ran out of money on, but he'd already gotten all his money from them, and he can't afford to finish that job. So he takes the money from you to finish that job. Then he comes back to you and starts working on your job. But now he's behind financially. So he needs some more money. He needs some more money. Eventually, that well is going to go dry. So what does he do then? He lines up the job after you and gets some money from them. And I've seen this so many times. And I have a very, very close acquaintance, someone I know who worked with a contractor for several years and described it to me and said, that's exactly what this guy did. And the person I know was the person who was in the house doing the work, and this other guy would supervise and go around and get the business. Occasionally, he'd show up and do a little bit of work. And the person I know said that he'd pull me aside and go, okay, I, I just ran out of money. Um, how much of this can you finish without any more money from me? And if necessary, the guy would go get another job and take the front money from that job to finish this job. And the person I know quit working for them because they got sick and tired of that because they were at the house and the person who owned the house would come and yell at them about the contractor boss guy not doing his job right. But here, they actually said, you could move into the house. you got to pay rent because apparently the house is habitable. But you, you, you can move in and pay rent. And instead, the guy moved in, didn't pay rent, and starts pawning their stuff. And so I remember when they first announced what Airbnb was. My first thought was, I'll pay people not to be in my house. What? 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 And I understand that Airbnb has evolved where a lot of people buy a property just so they can rent it out. But the people who actually let somebody come and live in their house for a week while they're on vacation or something, I, I can't even imagine that. Do you come home and take an inventory to see how much of your stuff is gone or broken? So anyways, <laughs> I'm far afield here. From Sault Ste. Marie, but the Canadian side from Sudbury.com. And Linda Richardson, absolute nightmare. Contractor moved into the client's house, pawned their stuff, and didn't do much work. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. My parents didn't want to move to Florida, but they turned 60, and that's the law.